Dr. Baliga here. This is the second podcast on breast cancer from an outstanding chapter on breast cancer authored by Dr. Robert Veselowski from the Ohio State University James Cancer Center and Dr. Charles Shapiro, MD, from the Mount Sinai University School of Medicine in New York City. This chapter is from Baliga's textbook of internal medicine available at www.mastermedfacts.com. The diagnostic evaluation of a suspected breast cancer includes history and physical examination and diagnostic tests. History and physical examination. The majority of breast cancers are diagnosed on screening mammogram in the absence of a palpable mass. The presence of a breast mass without a corresponding mammographic abnormality or conversely a suspicious mammographic abnormality without palpable mass merits further evaluation with a biopsy in nearly all cases. Likewise, enlarged axillary lymph nodes with or without a breast mass and or mammographic abnormality merit a biopsy. Additional findings on physical exams such as skin edema, the orange, that is orange skin, bloody nipple discharge, nipple crusting or scaling, new nipple effacement or inversion, skin ulceration or fixation are associated with breast cancer and require evaluation. Breast pain is inconsistently related to breast cancer. Diagnostic tests. All patients with suspected breast cancer undergo breast imaging with mammogram and ultrasound. The breast imaging reporting and data system or the BI-RAD score is the standard rating system and is used to classify mammograms with the BI-RAD score of 1 to 2 indicating a negative or a benign mammogram. 3 is probably benign finding where repeat mammogram is done in 6 months whereas 4 to 5 refer to suspicious and highly suspicious findings respectively and require a breast biopsy. It is important to note that only about 20% of mammographic abnormalities will be cancer and the other 80% represent various benign breast lesions. If the biopsy indicates breast cancer, clinical staging is assigned based on results of imaging and complete history and physical examination. Pathologic staging is obtained after definitive breast surgery. Asymptomatic patients with early clinical stage breast cancer, that is stage 1 and 2, should undergo routine blood work, that is complete blood count with differential, chemistry and liver function studies, and chest X-ray. Patients with symptoms concerning for metastasis or evidence of locally advanced breast cancer, that is stage 3, are appropriate for staging CT scans of the chest, abdomen and pelvis, and a bone scan. Positon emission tomography, PET scan, is an accepted alternative. With the BIRAD assessment score of zero, there's no need for additional imaging because the likelihood of malignancy is zero. What's recommended is spot compression and magnification views or ultrasonography. With the BIRAD assessment score of one, which is negative, likelihood of malignancy is zero percent and involves routine follow-up. The BIRADS assessment score of 2, it's a benign tumor with 0% likelihood of malignancies and recommended is routine follow-up. With the BIRADS assessment score of 3, it's probably benign 
Likelihood of malignancy is 0 to 2 percent. Diagnostic mammogram is recommended in six months. When the BIRADS assessment score is 4, it's suspicious. There's a 3 to 95 percent likelihood of malignancy, which is further substratified into low risk, intermediate risk, and moderate to high risk. Core needle biopsy or needle localization is recommended. When the BIRADS assessment score is 5, it's highly suggestive of malignancy, greater than 95% likelihood of malignancy. Core needle biopsy or needle localization is recommended. When the BIRADS assessment score is 6, it's biopsy proven and 100% likelihood of malignancy. General staging rules for breast cancer and estimated five-year survival based on surveillance epidemiology and end result database, that's the SEER database. In localized disease, stage one and two, the primary tumor is no larger than five centimeters in diameter. It does not involve the skin or chest wall. There may be zero to three axillary or internal mammary lymph nodes. There's no distant metastasis and about 61% of the patients are stage one or two. The five-year survival is 98.6%. In locally advanced or stage three, the tumor is greater than five centimeters. The tumor may involve the skin or chest wall, and or it could be an inflammatory breast cancer. There is more than three axillary lymph nodes involved. Axillary and internal mammary lymph nodes may be involved. Supraclavicular lymph nodes may be involved, and infraclavicular lymph nodes may be involved. Again, there's no distant metastasis, and these cases are about 32% of the cases of breast cancer. And the five-year survival is 84.4%. In metastatic or stage four breast cancer, the tumor can be of any size, and any of the lymph nodes can be involved. There is distant metastasis, and this is seen in 5% of the breast masses, and the five-year survival is about 24%. Pathophysiology of breast cancer, ductal carcinoma in situ. Ductal carcinoma in situ is a cancer of the mammary ducts without evidence of invasion. The incidence of pure ductal carcinoma in situ has risen sharply after the introduction of screening mammography in approximately 64,000 cases. In addition to the 231,840 cases of invasive breast cancer, are diagnosed in the U.S. annually. Ductal carcinoma in situ carries about 25% to 50% risk of becoming an invasive cancer. Histologically, ductal carcinoma in situ appears as several diverse types, such as solid, cribriform, papillary, and comedio. For practical purposes, ductal carcinoma in situ is frequently subdivided into a comedio and non-comedio types, Comediotype has a higher proliferative rate, higher overexpression of HER2 uh, new, and a higher incidence of local recurrence and microinvasion. Invasive ductal and lobular carcinoma. Invasive ductal carcinoma represents about 65% to 70% of all invasive breast cancers. As the name suggests, invasive ductal carcinoma originates from breast ducts. Conversely, invasive lobular carcinoma, which comprises about 15% of all invasive breast cancers, starts within the breast lobules. 
relative to the invasive ductal carcinoma, invasive lobular cancers are often have widely infiltrating growth pattern rather than forming distinct tumor and as such are harder to see on breast imaging. Invasive lobular carcinomas tend to have lower histologic grade and much more frequently express estrogen and progesterone receptors. A common feature of invasive lobular carcinoma is lack of expression of e cadherin which is a frequently ordered immunohistochemical stain used to confirm the diagnosis of invasive lobular cancer. Invasive breast cancers are characterized into three distinct biologic subtypes. The first, hormone receptor positive, about 65 to 70% of the patients. HER2 new overexpressing, which is about 15 to 20%. And triple negative, or lacking hormone receptors, and HER2 non-overexpressing, and these comprise about 10 to 15% of the cancers. In fact, these subtypes represent the phenotypic expression of differing molecular genetic disease that have differing prognosis and response to therapies. Phylloidous tumor, even though phylloidous tumor accounts for less than 1% of all breast cancers, questions about these cancers appear significantly more frequently on board examinations. Phylloidous tumors tend to occur in younger women with a median age of diagnosis of about 45 years. Phylloidous tumors usually have a biphasic growth pattern and women often present with a rapidly expanding smooth well-defined breast lump that previously was stable for many years. They contain two components, namely stromal and epithelial. The overall rate of local recurrence is about 15% and the likelihood of distant recurrence is about 5-10%. to 10%. However, histologically and behavior of Phylloidous tumors is quite heterogeneous and the criteria have been put in place to classify them into three distinct categories. Category 1, benign. Category 2, borderline. Or third, malignant, based on known prognostic factors such as degree of stromal cellular atypia, mitotic activity, stromal overgrowth, type of tumor margin that is circumscribed versus infiltrative, and tumor necrosis. Benign phylloidous tumors represent greater than 50% of these cancers and can be misdiagnosed as fibroadenomas, especially if core needle biopsy only is used for diagnostic workup. They can recur locally. Borderline and malignant phylloidous tumors progressively lose their epithelial component and are associated with higher risk of distant spread. There are several other relatively rare histologies that have been described. The rare breast cancer types which are hormone receptor negative include phylloidous tumors, metaplastic carcinoma, lipid rich carcinoma, medullary carcinoma, adenoid cystic carcinoma and secretory breast carcinoma or juvenile carcinoma. The rare breast cancer types which are hormone receptor positive include pure mucinous carcinoma tubular carcinoma, invasive cribriform carcinoma, invasive micropapillary carcinoma, neuroendocrine carcinoma, therapy of breast cancer, ductal carcinoma in situ. A complete excision is performed in all cases of ductal carcinoma in situ. Recurrence rate for patients with incomplete excision 
approaches 100%. Therefore, a negative margin is recommended. Patients treated with breast conservation should receive adjuvant breast radiation, which leads to improvement in an 8-year recurrence rate from 27 to 12% based on a phase 3 randomized controlled trial. However, it is possible that some patients, such as those with small grade 1 tumors that are excised with a wide margin, derive lesser benefit from radiation therapy. Although controversial, some centers occasionally defer adjuvant radiation therapy for older patients with small, low-grade ductal carcinoma in situ that has been completely excised, that is, greater than 1 centimeter margin. Systemic therapy with anti-estrogen agent tamoxifen is presently considered as an option for estrogen receptor positive ductal carcinoma in situ treated with breast conservation. The National Surgical Adjuvant Breast and Bubble Project, NSABP, B24, randomized 1,804 patients who underwent breast conservation therapy to five years of tamoxifen or placebo. The study demonstrated decreased rates of recurrence after 74 months of follow-up from 13.4 to 8.2%. Approximately 50% of the recurrences were in the form of invasive breast cancer. Overall survival was unchanged between the two groups. However, another randomized international study that enrolled 1,701 patients, which utilized a 2 by 2 factorial design involving randomization to adjuvant radiation with or without tamoxifen for women treated with lumpectomy found no benefit of tamoxifen but showed decrease in ipsilateral recurrence rates with the use of adjuvant radiation therapy. Adjuvant trial testing use of aromatase inhibitor anastrozole has been completed and demonstrated improvement in breast cancer-free survival at 10 years of follow-up from 89.5% for the tamoxifen arm to 93.5% for the anastrozole arm with a p-value of 0.03. Most benefit was seen in women younger than 60 years of age. Patients in whom lumpectomy is not feasible undergo mastectomy, which is associated with a less than 1% risk of recurrence. Following mastectomy, no additional adjuvant therapy is necessary. Axillary node dissection is not generally recommended since there is only 1-2% to chance that the excised axillary nodes will contain metastasis. However, Evaluation of axillary lymph nodes by sentinel lymph node biopsy is considered in patients in whom there is high clinical suspicion of finding invasive ductal carcinoma in the surgical specimen. Therapy of phylloidous tumors. The general approach to phylloidous tumors is wide and surgical resection. The acceptable margins should be greater than 1 cm. Any excised tumors with margins less than 1 cm should undergo re-excision or the patient should be treated with mastectomy. Although controversial, radiation therapy is sometimes given to patients in whom wide margins that is greater than 1 cm cannot be surgically achieved. However, the degree of benefit from radiation in phylloidous tumor is unclear. Adjuvant systemic therapy has not been shown to be of any value for this disease. Treatment of operable invasive ductal and lobular carcinoma local therapy that is breast surgery and radiation. The options are breast conservation that is lumpectomy followed by radiation therapy or mastectomy a procedure in which the entire breast is removed including level 1 and 2 axillary lymph nodes. 
Multiple randomized trials show comparable overall survival rates with these surgeries. Patient preference for either surgical procedure should in most cases be an important factor in decision making among these options. There are some relative and absolute contraindications to lumpectomy and these include tumor locations in more than one quadrant of the breast or beneath the nipple areola complex, a large tumor in a relatively small breast, history of collagen vascular disease, in particular scleroderma, and genetic predispositions such as BRCA1 and 2 positivity. Preoperative neoadjuvant chemotherapy treatment is sometimes utilized to decrease tumor size and achieve better chance of good surgical outcome. Axillary lymph node dissection increases the risk of upper extremity lymphedema. It has been therefore been replaced by sentinel lymph node biopsy in most cases. In this procedure, a blue dye, isosulfan blue, and or radioactive colloid, most commonly technetium sulfur colloid, is injected around the edge of the tumor or in the dermis overlying the tumor. Axillary sentinel lymph nodes which take up the dye or radioactive colloid are sampled. If no metastases are found in the sentinel lymph nodes, a full axillary lymph node dissection can be avoided. This procedure is associated with significantly lower rate of lymphedema, approximately 5% at 10 years. A recent randomized trial tested whether full axillary dissection was necessary in patients with early stage breast cancer and 1 to 2 positive sentinel lymph nodes found at the time of lumpectomy. Patients were randomly assigned to no further surgery or full axillary dissection. The study showed no difference in disease-free or overall survival between the two groups. However, lower rates of infection, lymphedema, paresthesias, shoulder pain, weakness, and axillary web syndrome were found in those patients randomized to no axillary dissection. Radiation therapy is indicated for patients treated with breast conservation approach based on a large phase 3 randomized trial that evaluated lumpectomy with or without breast radiation. Local recurrence was reduced from approximately 39% to 15% after 20 years of follow-up. In addition, decreased in deaths due to breast cancer has been seen in the group of patients who received radiation therapy. Radiation therapy is generally not needed for women who undergo mastectomy with some exceptions. For example, stage 3 breast cancer, positive surgical margin, and in younger women with high-risk breast cancer. Systemic therapies or neoadjuvant or adjuvant chemotherapy antiestrogens are also called hormonal or endocrine therapy. Chemotherapy is given to patients at a high risk of recurrence. Features that are associated with increased risk of breast cancer recurrence include tumor size, number of involved axillary lymph nodes, tumor grade, hormone receptor status, tumors that do not express estrogen and or progesterone receptors are significantly less responsive to endocrine therapy and HER2 new overexpression. Endocrine therapies used for treatment of breast cancer include ovarian ablation, medical ovarian suppression, progestins, non-selective aromatase inhibitors, first generation, such as testolactone and aminoglutathione, second and third generation aromatase inhibitors, which are selective and include formistane, fadrazole, anastrozole, letrozole, 
and exmestain and selective estrogen receptor modulators or SERMs and these include tamoxifen and tormifen. Chemotherapy agents used for the therapy of breast cancer include anthracyclines including doxorubicin, epirubicin, liposomal doxorubicin, alkylating agents such as cyclophosphamide, taxanes such as doxotaxel and paclitaxel, alkaloids such as vinorelibin, Antimetabolites such as methotrexate, 5-fluorouracil, and capsitabine. Other categories include eribulin, ixabepilone, monoclonal antibodies such as trastuzumab, pertuzumab, trastuzumab entamycin, and tyrosine kinase inhibitors such as lapatinib. Oncotype DX assay has been Oncotype DX assay has been developed to aid in estimating risk of recurrence and benefits from adjuvant chemotherapy. The assay measures the expression of 10, 21 different genes, 16 cancer-specific genes and 5 control genes in estrogen receptor-positive tumors by quantitative reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction, that is RT-PCR method. The test classifies breast tumors into low, intermediate and high risk Importantly, it is the high-risk group that benefits from adjuvant chemotherapy, whereas the low-risk group does not. MammaPrint is another similar test performed in tumors, which is based on the expression of a set of 70 genes. The test classifies patients into low and high risk for developing metastatic disease. Patients with estrogen receptor-positive tumors are offered anti-estrogen therapy, also called endocrine therapy. The purpose of this therapy is to block estrogen from binding to its receptor in the breast tissue or to reduce systemic estrogen levels. Endocrine therapy is typically initiated following completion of chemotherapy. Large meta-analysis that analyzes data from 20 trials with a cohort of over 20,000 patients demonstrated nearly a 50% reduction in the recurrence of breast cancer with the use of tamoxifen and this was reported in the Lancet in 2011. Aromatase inhibitors block conversion of adrenal hormones androstenedione and testosterone to estrone and estradiol respectively in postmenopausal women. Aromatase inhibitors are associated with a slightly greater reduction in the risk of breast cancer recurrence compared to tamoxifen. The relative risk reduction of approximately 10 to 15% when compared to tamoxifen. Current studies focus on the extended use of endocrine therapy beyond five years. Treatment of metastatic cancer. Distant recurrence develops in about 20% of the women treated for operable breast cancer. Most cases of breast cancer are incurable and the goal of treatment is to palliate cancer-related symptoms and potentially prolong survival. Initial treatment with endocrine therapy is considered in patients with hormone receptor positive disease. Aromatase inhibitors are commonly used as first-line therapy in postmenopausal women. Tamoxifen with or without ovarian suppression is considered in premenopausal women. Initiating therapy with hormonal agents may be associated with initial worsening of disease followed by improvement several weeks later. This phenomenon suggests a favorable clinical response. After a first-line endocrine agent is no longer effective, the use of another endocrine agent can still produce durable responses. A mTOR inhibitor, Everolimus, 
has been approved for use in combination with aromatase inhibitor exmestane for patients with metastatic hormone receptor positive breast cancer that is resistant to at least one line of prior endocrine therapy with an aromatase inhibitor. Similarly, cyclic kinase-dependent inhibitors in combination with endocrine therapy were found to benefit such patients in recently reported trials. Pablociclib is a cyclin-dependent kinase 4x6 inhibitor recently approved for the use in combination with endocrine therapy in patients with hormone receptor positive metastatic breast cancer. Chemotherapy is reserved for patients with hormone receptor negative breast cancer and or when the disease progresses despite a multiple lines of endocrine therapy. Treatment with a single agent sequential systemic chemotherapy is the usual approach. Responses to chemotherapy are more rapid but usually last shorter. Palliative radiation to symptomatic primary and metastatic lesion is also an important part of the management. Treatment of patients with HER2 new positive breast cancer includes HER2 new targeted agents such as trastuzumab, lapatinib, and pertuzumab, mainly in combination with chemotherapy or endocrine therapy. Ado trastuzumab entamycin is the first FDA-approved antibody drug conjugate used for the treatment of patients with metastatic HER2 new positive breast cancer. In addition, women with skeletal metastasis are treated with bone-modifying therapies such as N-bisphosphonates such as pamidronate or zolidronic acid or a monoclonal antibody against the rank ligand that is denosumab. Use of these agents is associated with a reduction of skeletal related events such as fractures, spinal cord compression due to vertebral compression fracture, the need for surgery or radiation to prevent fracture or hypercalcemia. Common complications of breast cancer therapy, short-term complications. Most common adverse effects of systemic chemotherapy for breast cancer includes pancytopenia, which dictates time interval between treatment courses, alopecia, mucositis, stomatitis, nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, hemorrhagic cystitis in the case of cyclophosphamide, cardiomyopathy with anthracyclines and infections. Trastuzumab is a monoclonal antibody that has been approved for the treatment of HER2 new overexpression cancers. The most important adverse effect of this agent is the development of congestive heart failure and that can sometimes be severe but occurs only approximately 4% of the time. It's usually reversible after discontinuation of therapy and institution of appropriate medical therapy for heart failure. The most frequent short-term toxicity of chest wall radiation therapy has been associated with the development of skin burns. Although second and third degree burns are uncommon, other short-term toxicities include mild pancytopenia due to irradiation of the bone marrow in the ribs and sternum, fatigue and mild nausea. Long-term complications of therapy, approximately 3-4% to of the patients treated with anthracyclines can develop irreversible congestive heart failure and less than 1% of the anthracycline treated patients can develop acute leukemia. Taxanes can lead to the development of peripheral neuropathy in about 20% of the patients. 
It's usually reversible but can persist in nearly 50% of the patients who develop this syndrome. Long-term complications from breast surgery include paresthesias and weakness of the shoulder and limitation in the range of motion. Axillary web syndrome or cording is the result of poor lymphatic and venous drainage in the arm on the side of the breast surgery. It's characterized by a web of thick rope-like structures under the skin in the inner arm. In many cases, pain and tightness in that area as well as difficulty in shoulder abduction or elbow extension develop. The Stuart-Treves syndrome is a rare complication that relates to the development of sarcoma in the arm that has been affected by the lymphedema. Long-term toxicities of radiation include skin darkening, increasing the risk of cardiovascular disease. A small portion of the myocardial apex is included in the radiation field of the left breast and pulmonary fibrosis in the portion of the lung included in the radiation field. Symptomatic pulmonary fibrosis from radiation is a very uncommon. Shoulder problems on the irradiated side have also been seen and they include shoulder arthritis, bursitis and tendonitis as well as brachial plexopathy. Finally, a rare complication of adjuvant radiation therapy for breast cancer is the development of sarcoma in the radiation field. Follow-up of breast cancer survivors. Frequency of scheduling office visits is dependent on an estimated risk of recurrence and whether or not patients underwent breast conservation. Most recurrences of triple negative breast cancer can occur within three years of remission. It's very uncommon for this disease to recur after five years since diagnosis. On the other hand, recurrence of hormone receptor positive breast cancer can happen after 15 years or even longer. Initial follow-up, especially within the first three to five years, is done at every three to six months. However, patients with a history of breast cancer with high risk of recurrence need more frequent visits. Patients who underwent mastectomy can be seen annually after five years of no disease, and those with a history of breast conservation need to be seen every six months until about six to eight years of no disease. Follow-up visits consist of careful history and physical examination, including lymph node palpation, examination of liver and spleen, and complete neurological examination. This approach can be effective in the detection of approximately 86% of the recurrences. Patients also should undergo yearly mammography to screen for second primary breast cancer or local regional recurrence in patients who are treated with breast conservation. Tumor markers, laboratory tests, and body scans have not been found to be an effective method of screening for recurrences in asymptomatic patients. When to refer a patient with a new enlarging or suspicious breast lump, physical exam findings concerning for breast cancer, or abnormal screening mammogram needs to be referred to a surgeon specializing in the management of breast cancer for further diagnostic evaluation. This is the second of two podcasts on breast cancer from an outstanding chapter authored by Dr. Robert Veselowski from the Ohio State University James Cancer Center and Dr. Charles Shapiro from the Mount Sinai University Medical School in New York. The chapter is derived from Baliga's textbook of internal medicine with 1,480 multiple-choice questions available at www.mastermedfacts.com.